0: The Smart Electric Power Association estimates there will be two gigawatts of community solar installed nationwide by 2021. That's like two years. That's crazy.
1: Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm excited to have my co-host.
0: Suzanne Waters. Hi, everybody. Glad to be back. For those of you that have listened to previous episodes, you already know, those of you who haven't listened in, I'm the vice president of business development here at Renew Energy. One of my favorite roles is co-hosting the Solar Maverick podcast. So always look forward to an opportunity to be back on and talk to you guys about solar.
1: Definitely. And Suzanne's uh, been great. We've done a lot of interesting topics, 101s on different topics, 201s. This podcast is about community solar, specifically in New Jersey. Even though a state says community solar, it's very different in each of the different states. So we thought we would give like a high-level primer about the community solar market in New Jersey. And Suzanne does a great job of co-hosting the podcast. And then she actually, as well, moderated our first podcast live event, which was a panel discussion on how solar technology is changing the world. And Suzanne, I know you've been receiving feedback from different listeners of the podcast. Can you share the feedback that you received?
0: Yeah, so I recently actually got a really great email from Allison Roars. She's the Senior Renewable Energy Project Manager for the Pittsburgh office at SWCA. She was just reaching out to introduce herself. So her email actually said, just wanted to introduce myself and tell you I love the Solar Maverick podcast. And then she ended it, thanks again for the great podcast, makes my commute productive. And I love getting feedback like that. It just, it means a lot.
1: Definitely. And actually in her email, she said, I love the Solar Mavericks specifically that you and Benoit do. So it's great to hear as well. Obviously, Suzanne's one of our co-hosts. We have Lee Wang as well, who also worked for Renew Energy. And then we obviously interview, or I've been interviewing different guests. And actually, we did an interview as well, Suzanne and I, where we interviewed Juan Trill from <laughs> Spatel Solar. And the reason why I'm laughing is because I say in each podcast that we have to shout him out in an episode that Suzanne and I are on. And usually he uh, texts us back that he heard his name, but he didn't do that for the community solar 201, which was the last podcast episode that we did.
0: So Juan, you better do it after this one.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Friendly reminder, you better do it after this one. Oh,
1: yes. We actually used to work at a solar company together at Vanguard. With Juan. With Juan. And so it was interesting because when I first started at the company, Maybe my first month or two, Suzanne and I sat at the
0: adjoining cubicles. The, yeah, joining
1: cubicles, and we would be working on proposals. And then she would look at me, "Hey, Benoit, just a friendly reminder: can you fill out the financing section of that RFP?" Or you would send me emails with the friendly reminder. I think you, as well, you used to give post-it notes.
0: Yeah, so, you know, being as nice as possible, but you got yep. stuff to give me, so. Well,
1: that's great because you <laughs> nice know... nice but firm nice, but firm. And she's great with following up and moving things forward. That's where she has great like project management skills. If you've ever worked with Suzanne, because she's able to take projects with multiple stakeholders, both within and outside the company to get it to the solution. So I do appreciate everything you do, Suzanne. So thank you.
0: Thanks, Benoy. I like doing it.
1: Definitely. Someone reached out to me, Roderick Casilli he's actually a distributor in California and he listened to a podcast that Suzanne and I did and it was episode 38 why commercial and industrial building owners should go solar and he said he dug it and Suzanne actually was mentioning the three different types of solar that you can have on a commercial industrial building which is rooftop ground mount and a carboarded system he also mentioned, that a very new option for a commercial solar project is self-contained units like the Smart Flower. So he was asking me whether I've seen it or heard it, and I've definitely seen the Smart Flower. It's definitely pretty amazing what the technology that it does, and aesthetically, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm sure it's going to get bigger in popularity. We were focused on the three most popular options for commercial industrial building owners. We appreciate. Everyone who reaches out to us on the Solar Maverick podcast, I apologize that it takes some time for us to get back to everyone. I admit that we're getting inundated by how many people reach out to us, but we will eventually get back to you. And each week it feels like the podcast is getting more and more popular and we get more and more people reaching out. Suzanne, if people want to reach out to you about the podcast or any other things, what's the best way for them to contact you?
0: I'm on LinkedIn, Suzanne Waters. You can also send me an email directly, suzanne at renewenergy.com, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E at renew, R-E-N-E-U, energy.com.
1: Great. Well, Suzanne, we've done already two episodes about community solar. Can you talk about that? And another one that I actually interviewed someone who focuses on customer acquisition and billing.
0: Yeah. So anybody just tuning in today and maybe wanting to get some more like fundamentals or background on what we're talking about, because like when I said, we're going to try to keep it high level. So if you want to go back and listen to some previous episodes about Community Solar, we did a Community Solar 101, episode 23, a Community Solar 201, which was episode 44. And then episode 19, the one Benoit was referring to, Anoy actually interviewed Eric Danke. He's the founder and CEO of Power Market, which is a customer management and acquisition company for Community Solar. Customer acquisition and billing, right, in Community Solar?
1: Yeah, customer acquisition and billing. Yeah. So that was
0: episode 19, sorry.
1: No worries. They focus more on the customer management side of it. And they create basically software to manage Community Solar.
0: So very
1: relevant to the topic today. So I think it would be helpful if you wanted to learn more about community solar to listen to those three previous podcasts that are community solar related. Also recently I spoke actually at two events about community solar. I spoke at the Community Solar Power Summit In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in July, and I spoke about the New York market with the panel. And the panel was Amanda Venga from the Coalition for Community Solar Access, Ian Mulligan from Cypher Street Renewables, Evan Kilkos from NYPA. Then I also moderated a panel for the NICEA New York Solar Summit in Albany, New York in May of 2019. It was called Community Solar Translating Pipelines to Deployments. I was the moderator, as I said before, the other members of the panel were Hannah Mueller from Pureway Energy, Tom Gusick from Solar Park Energy, Michael Mullen from Community Power Partner. So we've tried to take the things as well that we've learned from the conferences and events, and then we're actually developing one of the first community solar projects for the New York Housing Authority on 38 different buildings in Manhattan and Brooklyn as well. So also we're taking our development experience and those projects as well. We're excited to talk about community solar specifically in New Jersey.
0: All right, Panois, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get into it. Great. Okay, so I guess we'll just start off by talking about what is community solar. If you couldn't tell already by all of the, the preludes Benoit just gave, community solar is one of the next big things in solar. So according to SIA, which is a Solar Energy Industries Association, community solar is a situation where a central solar array is built, either by a utility, a municipality, or some other type of third-party owner. Community solar projects can be located on public or privately owned property, and it's a situation where residential and commercial customers subscribe to that central solar array, meaning they pledge to purchase their electricity from the array, usually for a contract-specified period of years. I think we're going to go into that specifically. Benoit and I were just talking. That's a little different in New Jersey with the contract.
1: Yeah, definitely. Right now, at least, it's still very early, actually, in the community solar in New Jersey, just because it's just a pilot program, and they just finished accepting applications in the end of September. But specifically what Suzanne's talking about, it seems like financiers of community solar projects are getting comfortable with having a substantial number of the customers as residential and there's no long-term contracting. Previously, financing parties were comfortable with 20-year power purchase agreements. And initially, for community solar projects, they were looking for 20-year agreements with residential customers. That's very challenging. And actually, uh, consumer protection laws don't actually allow that in certain states, like in New York. So even if it was a 20-year contract, I think after a year, potentially the customer could get out of it without a penalty but I would have to actually look into that. And also the other thing too, in deregulated markets where you have third-party energy suppliers, they don't require the customers to sign long-term contracts usually. So it's going to be hard to compete. And the customers too, especially when you're talking about residential customers, there's an education factor. They don't really understand what the difference is between buying power from a third-party energy supplier or versus buying solar from a community solar project in your utility service area. So these are some of the challenges that have been in community solar, but community solar, as Suzanne and I mentioned and kind of preluded, that it's one of the fastest growing areas of solar, primarily because you're developing a utility scale project. And instead of getting the rate that you sell into the grid potentially, which, for example, in New Jersey, in PSCNG service territories, between two to four and a half cents, you get some discount to the residential customer rate, which is a lot higher. I would say, like a residential customer in New Jersey, might be paying 14 to 18 cents per kilowatt hour, and then you provide them some sort of discount to their electricity. Most people are talking about giving customers between a five to 20 percent discount on their electricity rate. So as you can see, potentially the revenue stream from the projects are a lot higher than the utility scale projects, but it's more complicated because there's this whole customer acquisition and management piece to it. So you have to acquire these customers, manage them, also build them as well. Susanna and I have mentioned this on a previous podcast where the customer is going to get two bills usually, one from basically their utility company. And then a separate one for the credits that they received from the community solar project.
0: I didn't know if that was some of the stuff you wanted to cover at the end of the episode, but it just seemed like a good segue there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's still obviously unique things specifically to New Jersey. That we'll speak to after you finish your introduction
0: like giving general facts about community solar again i think we probably talked about this in previous episodes but just for those of you that haven't tuned in already just so you get the general idea of what we're talking about with community solar so i'm just going to continue reading some more of like the general facts so 19 states and washington dc have enacted policies that enable community solar arrangements between subscribing organizations and participating subscribers. Community solar has grown exponentially in the last six years, going from just a handful of projects that were installed before 2010 to a gigawatt by the end of 2018. That's huge, which is enough to power around 150,000 homes. Community solar installations are on track to grow in the coming years. The Smart Electric Power Association estimates there'll be two gigawatts of community solar installed nationwide by 2021. That's Like two years. That's crazy. So, Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Colorado are leading the nation in community solar adoption. New York, New Jersey, Maryland, and Illinois are all poised for significant growth over the next several years. Today, many American households and businesses don't have access to solar because they rent, live in multi-tenant buildings, they have roofs that are unable to host a system, or just experience some other type of mitigating factor. So Community Solar provides homeowners, renters, and these businesses equal access to the economic and environmental benefits of solar energy generation, regardless of the physical attributes or ownership situation of their home or business. Community Solar expands access to solar for all, including in particular, and this is also a really big aspect of Community Solar, low to moderate income customers, which are most impacted by a lack of access, all while building a stronger, distributed and more resilient electric grid.
1: This episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Podcast Laundry, the podcast concierge service that I use to make sure that my listeners hear the best quality show. They do the dirty work of podcasting for me. Yes, graphics, quotes, show notes, master editing, and much more. All I have to do is record. So if you're a busy podcaster like me with an engaged audience and want to free up time to do more of what you love to do, like going to the gym or spending time with loved ones, go to podcastlaundry.com to schedule your consultation or call 347-878. Seven one eight two seven three. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Thank you.
0: Well, this is a New Jersey episode. I was going to ask you about the NYCHA project.
1: With NYCHA, we've become very comfortable with low-moderate income, and that's a big component of the community solar program in New Jersey. And what Suzanne's readings actually from SIA, they're the Solar Energy Industries Association. They're the biggest lobbying group for solar Renew energy. We're a member of SIA. What I'll do is briefly kind of go into why. So politicians love community solar because it provides access to people who would not normally have solar. Now, if like a homeowner wants solar, usually they have to have a 600 or above credit score. So that really limits who is going to have access. To solar. And that's why we've seen, and New Jersey being an example, has an LMI requirement with their community solar program. So basically, the high level on the New Jersey, and this is all very high level information. We're not going to go into the weeds because this is kind of like a 101 on the community solar market in New Jersey. Basically, New Jersey has a pilot program for community solar allocated program capacity for year one is 75 megawatts and then there's basically going to be three years of this community solar program at 75 megawatts the individual community solar projects may not exceed five megawatts there's no minimum megawatt size for a project and this is going back to where i was talking about lmi and suzanne was mentioning it as well At least 40% of the program capacity, at least 30 megawatts, will be allocated to low and moderate LMI projects. And then also there's basically four EDCs, which is the electric distribution company, which is effectively the utilities in New Jersey. And it's basically the program capacity is going to be divided among each EDC area based on their average respective percentage of in-state retail electric sales the main edcs are pacng jersey city power and light
0: jersey central power and light
1: you should know because i think you're in that
0: well i'm in both i have PSCNG for my gas yeah. and jcpnl for my electric yeah
1: and then i think it's rockland electric then atlantic power actually they just finished the application process for the first year of the community solar Pilot in New Jersey. The application years for program one, which is 75 megawatts, was open from October 9th, 2019, and re- recently closed on September 2019. I, what I've been hearing is there's a lot more projects than 75 megawatts that are in this. So some people are saying that potentially maybe New Jersey will increase the pilot to more than 75 megawatts. But I don't know how familiar the listeners are. New Jersey is currently potentially transitioning their incentive program. So right now when New Jersey the state has attained 5.1% of kilowatt hours sold in the state from qualifying solar electric power generators, then the current SREC program will sunset. If you're not familiar with SRECs, SRECs is a solar renewable energy credit that equals one megawatt hour of solar power. It's a construct that the state of New Jersey has created to incentivize the development through an environmental commodity. Basically, how it's created is they created a fixed demand, and if electricity generator in the state doesn't have a certain percentage in renewables, specifically as well as solar, they have to buy this solar renewable energy credit. The ESHRAC currently is trading... For energy year 2019 at 23 cents per kilowatt hour the reason why i'm doing it in kilowatt hour versus megawatt hour i mentioned a residential customer is paying 14 to 16 cents per kilowatt hour for the electricity but the incentive is like 23 cents per kilowatt hour and that's one of the reasons why new jersey is the number five state for solar is that they have high electricity costs but also Strong state level incentives. We've talked previously on the podcast about the investment tax credit and accelerated depreciation, which is the federal incentives. The investment tax credit is currently in 2019, 30%, and it's going to be stepping down to 26% in 2018, and then eventually to 10% for commercial, industrial, and zero for residential. And then you have accelerated depreciation, which is five year makers. Which basically equates to 20% of the original EPC costs. So, basically, the federal incentive, which is the investment tax credit and makers, accounts for 50 to 60% of the price of the cost of the project. And then you have the state level incentive, the SREC, which the current right now life of an SREC is 10 years. It used to be 15 years. So, it's been interesting too because. Um, people are trying to figure out when the ESHREC program is going to sunset and they're going to basically have a transition program, which is going to be some sort of ESHREC construct with factors similar to Massachusetts, not similar in the values, but similar in discounting certain types of projects. And then they're planning to go to a fixed incentive. So what's been challenging actually for Developers who are trying to develop projects in New Jersey for community solar, that they're not sure when they get approved for their project and the project's built whether they'll qualify for that 5.1%. So I know it's been challenging because people have been reaching out to landowners and rooftop owners about being part of the community solar pilot. Usually they're offering them some sort of lease payment to basically do this community solar project. There's some sort of letter of intent. In New Jersey, you can't do community solar projects on preserved farmland. So obviously, landfills and brownfields are ideal locations, maybe carported systems. Obviously, there's large flat rooftops in New Jersey as well. So that is pretty much the major parts of this community solar pilot. It's still very in the early stage. What the bill credit is, is basically the credit that you'll be getting from the utility. And basically the simple definition of it is the value of the bill credit will be set at the retail rate minus the non-bypassable charges at the subscriber rate schedule. So those are pretty much the major components of the community solar pilot program which is a three-year pilot for 75 megawatts. Also, the life of the project is no more than 20 years from the commercial operation date for it to be qualified as a community solar project. And that's the high level on the community solar market in New Jersey.
0: We were just talking about a whole bunch of different things prior to the podcast, and we had done this on a couple of our episodes. I was going to ask, do you want to leave our listeners, all of our Mavericks out there with of the day, maybe? before yeah. I do my what's hopefully becoming an infamous hashtag.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting. I just said this quote and then Suzanne...
0: We were talking and you said it and I was like, wow, Benoit, I think you need to impart all of our <laughs> listeners with that knowledge today. Daydreaming.
1: What I told Suzanne was if you don't dream big, you only ever be mediocre.
0: That stuck pretty good.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's true. Like if you don't dream big, you're just going to be the status quo.
0: The word mediocre just it stings a little bit when you hear it, don't you think?
1: It does. And unfortunately, I feel like most people just get comfortable with their life and settle for what they have.
0: Complacency.
1: Complacency. And if you really want to do big things, you have to be uncomfortable. And people don't realize, and I was telling Suzanne, I'm constantly uncomfortable because I'm doing things that are outside of my comfort zone, but then they become the comfort zone. And until you try things... That's when you learn and grow. And I have very big aspiration
0: Okay. Well, yeah. So thank you for the little bit of inspiration at the end of the podcast, Benoit. And I guess I'll end it with what I, I like to say, Carpe Solem. And so I've been tagging it on LinkedIn and other social media, hashtag Carpe Solem. Those of you that don't know, it means seize the sun.
1: Definitely. Thank you again, Suzanne, for another great episode of the Solar Maverick podcast and being my co-host
0: yeah thanks for having me and i hope you guys found it insightful definitely talk to you next time
1: thanks Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick podcast. The Solar Maverick podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at RENEUEnergy.com. The Solar Maverick podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thanjan and Kevin Y. Brown.